As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequence of Sound, the web's foremost source of music and film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hi, this is Greg Weissman, creator of Gargoyles and Reign of the Ghosts, and you're listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. Guys, it's been an interesting month. Last time we sat down to record State of the Empire, we recorded two episodes at once. Our usual news recap, and then a special episode specifically about the Clone Wars animated series. And who would have thought that ever come in handy? <laughs> Not me! <laughs> yeah, yeah. two uh, big things happened since we did that. One, we got word of extensive reshoots uh, for Rogue One over the summer with what's going on right now, actually, with wildly varying reports on what they are and what went down. There's rumors, alleged facts, and so on. It's a saga all its own, and we're going to try to make sense of it on this episode. And then also, yeah, that Clone Wars discussion, it got a hell of a lot more relevant. (laughs) We'll get into all that very shortly, but if this is your first time, welcome, and uh, never fear. If you're wary of spoilers, we keep all the good stuff behind the blast doors. So we'll talk about all the casual stuff that we can, and then blast doors. Though, admittedly, I think it's mostly stuff that's above board this time. We got a few things, but... We'll see what's back there once we get there. Yeah, and of course, also, Willow Watch, our continuing investigation into the chances of us seeing a sequel in some form, in some medium, to the uh, 1980s fantasy epic Willow, and also, Indie Inquiry, because we have a new Indiana Jones film, like it or not, coming to us (laughs) uh, very soon. (laughs) So, uh, Rogue One comes out December 15th. We're finally getting more details. We've been talking for months about the stranglehold on information. Um, and then there's uh, there was the news of all these reshoots. So it was a, a, a film shrouded in much mystery. We've had a recent deluge of new information in the most recent week. and uh, But then before that, there were all these rumors. Mm. Very, very, very substantial rumors. It came from initially a website called Page Six, who were, um, they were right about Alden Ehrenreich, uh, landing the role of young Han Solo. And Matt, you said, we, I asked you about this. I, like, how credible is this? And you 
you were pretty insistent that it was above board. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it's like a the entertainment like kind of uh, gossipy section of like the New York Post, which I mean, the New York Post themselves is kind of a you know they're very tabloidy and and look for you know you know look to exploit bad news, but they are you know still the Post. So. <laughs> Every time I see a, the New York Post, I always feel like it's missing a picture of Spider-Man and saying menace in big like letters. <laughs> yeah. It just looks like that uh, kind of thing. Yeah. The post is like the, the U S version of the, of the daily mail. I'll go, <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> well, they reported that quote, the execs at Disney are not happy with the movie and rogue one will have to go back into four weeks of expensive reshoots in July. Rogue one has fallen short of what JJ Abrams did with the force awakens. So Disney's ordered reshoots. They won't take a backseat. They're demanding changes as the movie isn't testing well. Um, and then after they said that deadline and heat vision confirmed a month of reshoots and that a cut of the film was screened for the studio and that the execs deemed it too dark, which was the point of real concern for the three of us because Gareth Edwards, the director of the film um, promised a, absolutely incredible Star Wars from the likes of which we haven't seen before. Rogue One is an assemblage of some of the finest technical experts of war movies ever assembled for mm -hmm, a film. Mm -hmm. And here it is, Star Wars. And uh, the, the thought that somehow this film that has been always cast as being quite dark would uh, get a little bit more whimsy in it seemed like a bad move. But we've heard reports otherwise conflicting that. Yes, very conflicting. I will say not right away though. Which True. Was the, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of one of the which on on one hand can, you can take it as like oh well, Lucasfilm doesn't care. They're confident. They'll see it at the end. But I think as these things spun out of control and they realize that the Star Wars fandom, it's weird that they keep underestimating how much the Star Wars fandom can like harp on something. I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, smaller fandoms can do that, but certainly one this big is definitely going to. So I think eventually they they realize they had to do something. Well, I think with the news breaking, people always assume the worst because just because people report about filmmaking doesn't mean they know anything about it. Like, case yeah. in point, they say, oh, Rogue One is now scheduled for some really expensive reshoots. First of all, I've never heard of a cheap reshoot, especially on a movie <laughs> with a budget of like over $100 million. I don't think such a thing exists. And we've seen time and time again other movies having reshoots. Look at Men in Black. Or more specifically, Men in Black 3. When Men in Black 3 was happening, they went into production without a script. And there was like months of reshoots. And everyone's like, oh, this movie's going to be so awful. Oh, God, it's going to be so bad. And then it came out. And personally, I thought it was fine. Like the whole thing was they had huge third act problems. And they were rewriting it on the set, like on the day. And it's fine. But now we're getting word that, oh, the, the Rogue One reshoots... These are things that we kind of plan for. We're not redoing entire scenes. We're really just sort of inserting dialogue, better better dialogue in scenes that are already shot. The story's not changing. We're just we're just taking what is a good film and making it better. And I think that's that sounds like it makes sense. The the uh, one of the other rumors was that um the 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 time that they've they they schedule time at the end of production specifically for reshoots, which is a very common thing big studios do with you know big budget movies nowadays. And that even though this is quote unquote expensive, it was counted for in the budget before they even started. So it doesn't really sound like it's that unexpected or that they're changing that much stuff or it's that much out of the ordinary. The more I read into it, the more I calmed down and was like, oh, 
it, it, this this might be fine. But there were some crazy rumors about what they were doing to fix it. Like, who was it that they said that was going to come in and, and like help the Dewey reshoots? Like, they, the rumors were, you know, J.J. Abrams was coming in and he was going to unofficially start supervising yeah. reshoots and stuff. But apparently there's and no proof Chris, of that. Christopher McQuarrie as well. Yeah, and like Christopher McQuarrie was like, he went on Twitter and was like, Hey, journalist, why don't you do your job and reach out to me if you want to know what's going on? And, you know, and and, and all this is bullshit, you in, know, in, in, in stronger language than that, which actually yeah. I think was part of the problem, too, is that these people who are not mouthpieces suddenly became mouthpieces instead of like waiting for something, you know, a little more official to come out. So I think that kind of like made problems worse. I mean, yeah, McQuarrie's awesome, but he's also uh, <laughs> um, very uh, vocal. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Christopher so, McQuarrie, if you're not familiar with him, he's the screenwriter uh, or one of the many screenwriters of Rogue One, the most recent screenwriter of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and my, my personal concerns came also a lot from, you know, a lot of what basically what I saw is kind of like a what where is the real power in, in the Star Wars movies? Is it going to come from the actual storytellers, the directors themselves, or is it going to come from this centralized sort of like Lucasfilm story group? And you can kind of see if you started to like imagine the way this is working like you know it can can start to hinder something very very unique for like possibly just concentrating on things that work such as you know episode seven clearly worked but thankfully it doesn't seem that that's the case but for a little while considering no one was saying anything it, it seemed like it may be a thing where like creative vision could be like hindered it's well. That's what everyone's fear was. But I, I keep getting the sense that Rogue One, specifically Rogue One, but also hinting at most of these other spinoff films, are going to be the risk takers. The thing they're always going to play it safe with is the main saga, Episode Seven, Eight, Nine, Ten, Eleven, Twelve, until the end of time, and all well, of these well, little yeah, side yeah, things but, are the risky things. I think that's why people were concerned, is because in in their heads, based on the reports they were reading, that that risk was being mitigated and i think just no one really wants to see that heck if it was true that 40 percent of the movie was being reshot and somehow it made it better but it was much like episode seven i still wouldn't be happy with it because it would just mean that you know in the end it gets sort of centralized into the story group that determines where where a vision goes Mm -hmm. as opposed to letting individual people have their shot at it so i would rather I just wanted to know that the risk taking was still there. And and it seems like it is. And those might be, you know, kind of fluff pieces, you know, in EW leaked out to say this is the truth of what's going on. And there's probably a middle ground somewhere that that is the truth. Like there are probably things they weren't happy about, but it might not be the darkness. It it may be true what that a lot of the reshoots involved flushing out characters. Maybe the good guys aren't that interesting yet. Well, and also I heard other points saying, uh, you know, the idea that Disney executives are seeing test screenings of this film, other people like on Reddit or wherever, all, all just all these other news sites are just saying, more and more people are coming forward and saying, dude, there is no way Disney executives are sitting down and watching a test screening of a film that's not done yet. If anything, Disney doesn't care about specifically Rogue One, it's still a Lucasfilm joint. Like, this is... The the, the movie studio focuses on it. Disney's got their own stuff they're worried about. They're working on Frozen 2 and Pirates of the Caribbean 6 and 7 and 8, and Marvel is is taking care of its own stuff. Lucasfilm is taking care of Lucasfilm, and Disney actually has very little oversight. I just think back to Godzilla, in which the tone and atmosphere for that movie was, was, I mean, 
pitch perfect. I thought it was great. I mean, it, it got less as it went on, but certainly the beginning and, you know, and even what, what didn't work visually, uh, you know, still worked decently. But the characters in that movie, especially the good guys, were just awful. Well, it's called Godzilla. Though your focus was on the monster, not on the people. Th- yeah, but in the end, like I, I you know, um, this isn't an era in which like a monster movie like that can be memorable because of the CG monster. Like, right? You know, when that was sort of an innovative new thing, you know, having a monster movie. Yeah, I can see that. But you know, you have to have compelling characters, and and what do people remember is Brian Cranston in the beginning of that yeah. movie bringing something <laughs> then, much yeah. more interesting, and how we wanted so, more of him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, I'll, and you know I'll, they I'll have always... they have Gareth Edwards doing an ensemble film now, and I think there is certainly the danger that that sort of thing could happen again. So I, I think what we need to do is is separate the we we talked about how the middle ground is between the the the, the rumors and then yeah. the EW uh, Anthony Bresnikan damage control. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the yeah, middle ground's sure. probably true. Um, now what happened was there was I believe it. This news came out on on a Monday, and only at Friday did we finally have some official response mm-hmm. uh, in the form of the EW article we keep mentioning. Um, but in the meantime, we heard from all those sources that I mentioned before, and also making Star Wars, who attempt to clear that up. And they they asked a few crew members who, because they have a lot of um, insiders and stuff. Yeah, yeah, insiders who are informing them. I assume like extras and so on. Yeah. Um, and. <laughs> Uh, here, here's a quote from one of their art, their articles on it. When I asked a few crew members what was being reshot, they laughed and said everything. Of course, they were kidding, but from the sound of it, the shooting will be extensive. Uh, and this is this is where the the forty percent number comes from about how much of the film they were reshooting. Um, they're working for six six days a week for eight weeks is what they were told, mm-hmm. um, which is of course four more weeks than than what we heard. Um, and and then Bresnikin came in with what he said were deeply placed sources on the movie at Lucasfilm, which I take to mean Kathleen Kennedy. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, and, and said four to five we- uh, weeks of reshoots ending days before Star Wars celebration in uh, London on July 15th. Um, and that these reshoots were originally scheduled for spring, but bumped to midsummer to allow Gareth Edwards and the creative team extra time to decide what to change. Uh, and that really, most of what it'll be is, quote, a lot of talking in cockpits. Right. And that's the part that gives me hope about it. Right. Because when they, mm-hmm. when, I, when you when you first hear 40% of the movie is going to be reshot, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, 40% of that script was torn up, crumbled in a ball, thrown into a trash can, and they're, they're starting over. Whereas instead, it's more like, oh, hey, I, I wish, you know, oh, there's a great line of dialogue. It would be great if we put it in here to reference the thing later. So they're, So they have to rebuild a whole cockpit just to insert that line, you know, like they'll often have to rebuild these things just to have a reaction shot for one person. Right. So it, although it sounds huge, it literally doesn't mean 40% of the film is reshot. Rather, they are reshooting moments that will be peppered in throughout 40% of and the film. I should add that the making Star Wars report, in spite of having all those grim numbers, actually sounded quite hopeful about the content of the film. Yes. Um, but... The real, I think the real nugget of truth here where things start to align a bit is at the later part of the EW article where um, the rumor was that Christopher McQuarrie, the screenwriter, was who is also a, a director, was going to be co-directing these thing these reshoots with Gareth Edwards because yeah. 
uh, because he created a new version of the script like late into production and everybody liked it that much better and so they mm-hmm. were going to do that. Um, but in fact, it's actually the writer-director Tony Gilroy who's uh, probably best known as the writer for all the Bourne films except the most recent one that's coming out. And he uh, gave notes in the first cut. This is confirmed from EW. He, def- like, he definitely stepped in and did a bunch of the things that they said Macquarie was doing. Um, he created additional material that's going to, quote, enhance the story. And uh, apparently he did the same thing uncredited for Godzilla. Hmm. So um, then they also verified the only two individuals who've seen Rogue One at this point are Bob Iger and Studio Chief Alan Horn. So they did, in fact, see it. Um, but you know what they made of it, I I don't know because how the fuck much could be done? Yeah, like I, I I like the fact that they've seen it. I don't. Okay, well, like they've seen a cut of it, but how much did they really see? You know what I mean? Like these movies are so incomplete. A lot of them, whatever you know. Yeah. Uh, but I uh, mean, they're used to it. Yeah, granted. they're used to seeing incomplete films and judging True. them. Um, and then the final thing this is the very end of the EW article. One of EW's main sources. Uh, ask the Star Wars fan community, give the filmmakers the benefit of the doubt until celebration when some of what they've been working on with Rogue One will be unveiled and, quote, people will go insane. Mm-hmm. And they will, but they will also go insane regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 um, and if you are going to be at Star Wars Celebration the weekend of July 15th in London, let us know. None of us are able to hop the pond and go to it this year. But if you are, we want to hear all about it email us at starwars at nerdyshow.com and uh, and maybe we can uh, swap some notes and hear about the experiences and potentially all the things that you might see that they're going to cut the feeds for and we won't see it all. Right. Now, um, one of the most exciting things actually about them saying a bunch of people talking in cockpits is that for Rogue One, a bunch of people talking in cockpits is actually fucking crazy. Because they've done some stuff that they've never done before in a Star Wars movie, uh, making Star Wars recently kind of potentially maybe kind of it kind of seemed like leaked on purpose, like uh, intentional promotional kind Could of be. Yeah, in, we don't info know, yeah. leak. Um, a, a thing about how they film these cockpit sequences, um, they have built a gigantic, nearly 360-degree, 40-foot-high IMAX screen upon which environments are projected, and they have most of an X-Wing built on a gimbal so that the actor can climb in the cockpit and be flown around with all of the scenery of potentially like in-atmosphere X-Wing mm-hmm. stuff happening around them. This is just like those amazing sequences that they did in the otherwise somewhat abysmal film Oblivion. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that So is this insinuating that we might possibly see some shots in this film with no computer effects, meaning like like cockpit scenes with no computer effects because it's basically like a rear projection system? That seems really likely, Doug. That's that's awesome. That's what I'm saying. I, 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 I would actually like, I mean, they'll, they'll do things. They may even like com- computer enhance the cockpit a little bit, like make it more detailed True. and stuff. They do have to put the X-Wing yeah. wings in because the wings aren't. But if there are certain <laughs> shots, like if it's like yeah. sideways, you know, like how when Luke's diving in the Death Star and like it's it's a 90 degree, you know, from front or whatever, it's like a side, side view. Yeah. You don't see the wings there, you know, and just you just see the Death Star flying by. Same, yeah. same thing. That'd be It would just be really cool to see like. I wonder how much it helps the actress' performances when they're sitting in a cockpit and it's moving side to side, and you're seeing the video of like what you're doing flying around. That sounds that sounds fun. I can imagine that it would be absolutely like perfect 
You're like, I don't have to pretend I am a yeah. motherfucking ace pilot here and I'm going to just tear my enemies to shreds. I mean, how can you, can yeah. you, can you imagine like, that? I, mean, I can't imagine. I just it's imagine Star sitting Wars in the battle Star- pod. Yeah, I'm about to say, it's Star Wars <laughs> battle pod, except it moves. That's what I want. <laughs> Speaking of battle pod, now is a great time to offhandedly mention that there's been an expansion. They've expanded Star Wars battle pod. Battle pod is this really high end arcade cabinet. That's a super immersive, like bubble screen, dogfight simulator thing it's kind of on rails but it's uh, also not and it's a lot of fun um we've been talking about it for months now because uh it's only at dave and busters and we go to dave and busters and then photograph our scores and we challenge you to beat us mm-hmm. so on this episode's page we'll link to where you can find our star wars battle pod scores but we're happy to say they've updated this thing the battle for taco donna is now in battle pod damn and none of us have played it yet but i cannot wait it, 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 it makes me angry to know that it was upgradable, that it could have had prequel levels in it at some point. I mean, there's still some interesting battles that could have been waged in battle. What the pod. Battle of Naboo, and the like Battle that's of it? Coruscant, the Battle of Coruscant, and whatever Coruscant. It is the Battle of Coruscant is very, very visually striking. That would have been awesome. All the hectic atmosphere going on around you. Well, think about this: Hit the Buzz Droid Center Eye. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's nothing stopping them from adding Clone Wars stuff. Now they've True. started with the stuff that most most everyone cares about the most. So, you know, any, anything's possible because apparently they can just plug whatever the hell they want in a battle pod and the game keeps growing. Mm-hmm. And that, that hardware is not going to be out of date for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good to go. Now, uh, the other thing Entertainment Weekly has been doing is for the past week, they've been shooting out all kinds of new info on Rogue One. In fact, we thought there was maybe even a chance that there'd be a trailer before Celebration, but instead I think we're going to put our bets on the new Rogue One trailer coming at Celebration, if, if at all. But something, I mean, we're, you're going to see something there mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. But they've been putting out some amazing photos, much like how they did with the force awakens they're all amazing photos of what looks like maybe like 15 minutes of of film but uh some very cool stuff gorgeous shots of stormtroopers wading through tropical waters and destruction and tundras and so on um and and also a couple that are actually kind of thought-provoking perhaps the biggest one is a death trooper in the tundra holding a stormtrooper doll and EW says it'll have special significance to the story. And understandably, they also mentioned the fact that Ray made an X-Wing pilot doll in The Force Awakens. How could these things be interrelated at all? I don't know. Uh, other than I, I just I just think that that children see these sides as heroes. Like, you know, it's a I, I mean, the Stormtrooper doll is interesting. I mean, I Clone Trooper doll, I think, would be you own Clone Trooper but... dolls and Stormtrooper dolls. <laughs> <laughs> really it's just marketing they're like yeah, hey yeah. look e- even in here's Star a new, Wars, a new thing to buy <laughs> <laughs> but but it's weird i mean like what we don't know we haven't heard any rumors about anything involving these shots that look like they're in the tundra as opposed to the tropical zones that we've been seeing the majority of and so here we see i mean it's just one it's one shot but what looks to be a wasteland and he's holding this kind of clean-looking but still handmade Stormtrooper doll. Really weird. No idea what to make of it at we'll all. See. Yeah, and, and if any listeners uh, like know how to like 
properly remove a watermark so I can have like a nice photo of that one with the stormtroopers <laughs> in the water. Please like talk to us on, on our Facebook page because I'm I'm dying for that, but unfortunately I'm not good at doing that. So it's gonna be your desktop background. Oh, it's gonna be everything. <laughs> um speaking of images, this episode's image is actually a gorgeous, gorgeous piece of artwork that was created for Star Wars Celebration. Uh, in, in in London this year. Um, it's fantastic. It encompasses both Force Awakens and Rogue One. So if you're wondering, whoa, what the hell is that? That's what it is. Maybe you can buy a poster of it at Celebration. I don't know. It's possible. Um, now, the big thing that EW did was they revealed characters. One character in... Well, two characters in particular. But we finally have names for everyone. We already know Felicity Jones plays Jin Erso. We know that... Um, well, I guess it, it was just confirmed, but we've been talking about it for a while, that... Um, her dad um, is Matt Mickelson's character, Galen Urso, who's a Robert Oppenheimer-type character, um, potentially, you know, relating to the construction of the Death Star seems like the most obvious thing. Um, what, we, what we've learned about Jane Urso is that uh, she's been on her own since she was 15, and the Alliance needs her for her intimate knowledge of the galactic underworld. Um, Kathleen Kennedy says, strangely... Uh, she, and maybe not strangely, but it, but it's it's an interesting statement nonetheless. She's she becomes a kind of Joan of Arc in the story. Hmm. I mean, she gets burned at the end. Yeah, it kind it kind of says. I mean, granted, this is going to be this this movie. I hope this you don't you don't perceive this as a spoiler. But there's no way that this is going to be a happy ending. That seems uh, counterintuitive well, to. I mean, define happy ending. Everybody well, the, lives and the, gets medals. No, then. The, the happy the happy ending is that in a new hope, these guys didn't die in vain. I think is what we're. I, I can't. I can't imagine most of them surviving. You know, I, if I had to choose, I would say I'd want them all to die. Right, but then it, there'd be no road too. Not gonna happen. Yeah, it's just not gonna happen. Especially not with those reshoots, right, Matt? I yeah, I uh, I, I definitely expect uh, at least Felicity Jones to make it through. She's got to team up with Han Solo in in, uh, in the sequel to Rogue One. I'm telling you, I'm calling it now. Han Solo will definitely team up with Jyn Erso in a sequel to both of their films at some point. I don't I don't know if I buy that. Just because I do. Yeah, cause I, I I think you know they part of introducing him at whatever particular age they have him at is that he would slide into the rebellion era quite well. So yeah, it just but take but place. anything after Rogue One is in Harrison Ford territory. Yeah, doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know if they'd mix it like that, but we'll see. I, I just especially, want, I want, especially I want, if he's well received. If I had to pick one person to make it, I want the Alan Tudyk robot. That's the only one I want to make it. Ah, uh, yes. uh, yeah, I could see, I could see that. I mean, I, I definitely think they're going for an HK forty seven thing without him being HK forty seven. Yeah, that would be cool, and that's totally, totally fine with me. No, like, uh, remind me, HK forty seven. Which droid is that? He's from he the, is, uh, the original Knights of the Republic. Yeah, Knights of the Republic. Ah, he's the one. He's He's funny, and he likes shooting people, and uh, kind of hates humans. Yeah, refers to them as meatbags. Yeah, and uh, he has a, a very funny like structure in which he talks. He, like he he opens with like saying what kind of uh, like whether it was a statement or a question or like whatever yeah, like it is. And query then and then the thing. Ask, yeah. yeah, and and that kind of weirdly carried over into Mass Effect. Yeah, it with did. The, <laughs> yeah, which you know Bioware, so they kind of pulled that from hk and um yeah very funny character though and i feel like he's, alan he's, tudyk is the perfect person to it, ask to be that sort of personality hk is is so 
happy to kill for you. All he wants to do is 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 get an order to kill something and go do it. Nothing makes him happier. Yeah. Well, here's what we know about K2SO, or K2 for short. Uh, Gareth Edwards says he's a little bit like Chewbacca's personality in a droid's body. He doesn't give a shit about what you think. He doesn't fully check himself before he says things and, do- and does things. He just speaks the truth. And Entertainment Weekly added, like Jin, he's also seeking a bit of redemption for past wrongs. Droids, too, can have regret. Mm. Which I think is an exciting statement, to well, say the least. It was hinted at in that uh, 3PO comic that we were shitting on for the longest time, but turned out to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, if you want to read the best single issue that Marvel has published in this new era of Star Wars, you're going to want to read, believe it or not, the 3PO one-shot, which is uh, packaged with Shattered Empire when it's released in hardcover form uh, in a, like a month or so. My my uh, my copy arrives today, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Of, of, I finally decided when I saw that it was the hardcover, I, I almost ordered, reordered Shattered Empire hardcover just for that because I wanted it collected. But you know what? It's just... I already have Shattered Empire and just a normal trade, so it's just like time to get on the Phantom Limb. So I'm, I'm ready. Sweet. Oh man, I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Um, now let's move on to the uh, the the number two guy in the movie, uh, Captain Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna. He's a by the book rebel intelligence officer uh, brought in to corral Jane Erso, and they've been described as a Riggs and Murtaugh style relationship. <laughs> Too old for this shit. <laughs> Well, too old, too old for this Sith. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Get too old for this Sith. That hmm, that's a contender for the episode title. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, want that. As soon as he sees Vader, like Vader wrecks some stuff, and that's what he's gonna say. I'm getting too old for this Sith. Vader ain't Sith though, but you know. But Wait, I what? want that. I want that line to be in the um, uh, Daniel Craig, Tom Hardy, Stormtrooper buddy cop movie. Yeah. Now hold up, Doug. You just said Vader wasn't Sith. No, man. Yeah, was... he's not Sith. He's he's one hundred percent Sith. He's just a fallen Jedi. He's not Sith, dude. He's Sith. No, he is Sith. How his what? opening his his introduction in the Star Wars novelization that came out before the even the movie came out was in walked the Dark Lord of the Sith, Lord Vader. Yeah. That that is that is him. That is his moniker. One of his many monikers. I don't know, man. Like they they. I'm pretty sure it even says so in a crawl somewhere. The em- emperor can label him Sith. Other people can label him as a lord of the Sith. But dude does not act like any other Sith the, we've the ever rule seen. Rule of two: the master, of the apprentice, Vader and and Palpy. Yeah, but then uh, b- Vader gets his. Well, there's no longer canon, so I guess it doesn't count. You know, but I don't know, man. Like he doesn't act like other Sith. This is there's a different there's a different thing happening there that he's he's sort of in between. Like why wouldn't Kylo Ren just be like, oh, grandfather was Sith, I gotta be Sith. Instead, he forms Knights of Ren. Like I th- I think Vader. It's my opinion, my interpretation. Vader's not Sith. He's a bad guy. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like he is. He has the he has the dark side of the Force is strong in him, but he does not seem to subscribe to the laws and views and uh, pathos of uh, of the Sith. I don't know. Matter of fact, the, the Sith believed that he was the Sith RE. I mean, that's probably not canon anymore either. I actually don't remember where that originates from, but like he was their chosen one. I don't know, man. There's, I think there's a difference between a fallen Jedi or dark Jedi and a Sith. Write in and let us know. Star Wars and yeah, well, show us your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to prepare. I'll prepare my argument for another episode, or my make my case. Donnie Yen plays Chira Imwi, 
He's blind, he's not a Jedi, but he follows Jedi teachings and uses them to overcome his blindness and fight as a warrior monk of some kind. Um, and he has a, a buddy in Bay's Malbus, played by Jiang Wen, who's, uh, he wears a bunch of armor, he doesn't abide by his friend's religion, and Kathleen Kennedy says, think of them as a little like a galactic version of Don Quixote and Sancho Panza. Hmm. Got a lot of teams up, team-ups in here. Yeah, teams inside, is inside of teams. Um, and then Bodhi Rook, played by Riz Ahmed, is, a, is the Rebel Squad uh, lead pilot. He's hot-headed, but his skills are so good, it overshadows how much he sets people off. All right, can I just say, first of all, Riz Ahmed was amazing in Nightcrawler. I mean, everybody's amazing in Nightcrawler. But, like, I feel that something about him has made every fan conjecture that he will definitely be the first to die. I don't know what it is about him, but I feel bad for him and his character already. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for him most of all. <laughs> Come on, Bodhi. Make it. <laughs> well, he's got to make it at least till the end because who's going to fly the damn ship? Yeah, that's right? true. Well, yeah. maybe that's when they think that things are really... Uh, yeah, you can't kill like, the pilot first thing. Well, unless he, they get, he gets them to the planet and then he dies and part of their sacrifice is them assuming that they won't be... That it's, that it's a one-way mission. I mean, they may already be assuming it's a one-way, one-way mission. Oh, we'll Who knows? See. That's true. Anyway, these are just speculations, guys. Still, don't get don't get cold feet if you're worried about spoilers. This is 100% us musing on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, director Orson Krennic, played by Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, he's a guy who's trying to get on the Emperor's good graces while dodging Vader. That's right, Darth Vader. Because as we've been saying behind the blast doors for months now, Darth Vader's in this movie. But we don't have to hide that fact anymore because even though uh, we were certain they were going to wait to reveal it in the next trailer, which they probably are, it's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. So if that's a spoiler for you, I'm sorry, but it's out there now. It's in the public. Darth Vader's in this movie. Yeah, you're not going to be able to avoid knowing that Vader's in this because even if you were able to not see the cover and not watch any more trailers, everybody will be talking about it. When they release a proper poster, he is going to be all over it. Well, let me ask, well, I mean, wh- why why r- reveal it? Like, what's the uh, what's the benefit of that? Is that part of the damage control? To say, like, guys, no, get excited about this movie. Darth Vader's in it, which is a great idea. Or is it because they know that they're going to put him in the new trailer and the trailer's going to be out of the bag? Like, why not wait till the trailer? Because people now, people are clamoring for the trailer. Even if you see, if you didn't, if you're not a super nerd like us, and you didn't already know that Vader was involved, or you're just sort of a casual Star Wars fan who thinks that this is somehow taking place after Episode Seven, you know, because there's a lot of those people. Believe me, and uh, to, to those now, people, Doug, come on, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, the 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 non-true nerds, <laughs> uh, the fake nerds. Um, I think this is a way to get people to say hey no 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 this is this takes place before darth vader's in it everybody likes darth vader be ready when this trailer comes out because you're what you're 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 gonna want to go check it out and you want to get hyped for it but if they just sort yeah, of, I, you know, I, I tend to think that that factors into the damage control but in a good way i admire that decision but i do think like coming out and saying it now now no one seems to have too much bad to say about the film <laughs> you know I, I, everybody I, seems I, to be i think it's planned like i think it's planned a year ago i i think i think the whole thing the 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 scheduled release photos of entertainment weekly i i i bet they all knew they all knew this no was i i, I got i gotta think it was it was planned for like the second trailer or so it, it's weird um there's there's a lot of stuff that's, that's weird about it but i do think they were always going to reveal that he was in it i just don't know if this was necessarily 
when they wanted to. Because, there, for example, there was no uh, photo set ready for Entertainment Weekly. They just simply had the information that Vader was in it. Uh, and it yeah. was a weird it was a weird soft reveal when it could have been a balls the wall reveal. And then also there's the question of if they're doing so much revealing at Star Wars Celebration, why are they revealing stuff now? Which I think I can attribute to they got their schedule together and realized, oh, wait, we simply don't have time to cover some of this stuff. So let's get it out beforehand. And we are here like uh, about three weeks or so away from that it still seems like too much time but it i don't know it's it's a strange it's a strange thing i don't know we ew exists in this bizarre realm of like digital and print simultaneously mm-hmm. and i don't know how they really balance when uh that release of information um anyway to the end of uh orson director orson krennic um they say there's a lot of palace intrigue going on in the empire with people conspiring to move up the ranks and sabotaging each other there's not a lot of loyalty there which is interesting because we're seeing that uh directly in the darth vader comic book and here it's uh vader still vying for his continued presence at his master's side even uh before his inevitable failure at protecting the death star plans from leaking to the rebels yeah the the tarkin novel did a really good job of that too amongst the other officers and and Tarkin like there's different divisions below the emperor and they all kind of like the intelligence and the the navy and they kind of compete with one another very interesting cool power struggles and Kathleen Kennedy says he will be in the movie very sparingly Vader Um, but at key strategic at a key strategic moment he's going to loom large I'm, I'm, I'm game sounds good and then also, and this is a fun side note, Gareth Edwards says there are at least two background char- uh, creatures who will fight with the squad, but they aren't major characters. Quote, they're not necessarily front and center, um, but maybe one day there'll be a spinoff movie. <laughs> Teague. <laughs> Praise be to Teague. Um, <laughs> now, one of these characters may have actually been revealed in a leaked photo of the Rogue One Lego minifigs. It's a weird-looking little dude. And I have no idea what species he is, uh, but he's pretty ugly. And I look forward to seeing him in the movie because we need more aliens in here. Come on. We do. And that's I wonder if that's just because CG effects or, or whatever, like the final look of those aliens is not done yet. So they didn't show them. But I got to imagine like they're members of the team and probably going to be, you know, fan favorites. Now, uh, we've we haven't mentioned this yet exactly, but this is the big one. Vader, Vader was the one that we we knew was coming, but this is the one that we we could not have predicted, and yet conveniently, <laughs> um, as though the Force informed us with some kind of vision, uh, we did our our Clone Wars episode last State of the Empire, and uh, there's a character from the Clone Wars animated series in Rogue One, and he's played by Forrest Whitaker. That character is Saw Gerrera, and he is a rebellion freedom fighter, as EW says. Uh, a guy who's so extreme, the other good guys aren't sure if he really is one. Uh, this is the guy who is doing the narration in the trailer. If you continue to fight, what will you become? That's him. That's Saw Gerrera. Uh, and th- this is, it's it's fascinating. It's really, I still haven't watched a lick of Clone Wars <laughs> after that last episode. So Matt, um, what can you tell us about this guy? Well, there was a very good arc on uh, towards the end of Clone Wars in which uh, the Republic decided that they couldn't openly support Onderon's rebellion against their pro-separatist government. So the Jedi decided that they could train the rebels 
themselves sounds very familiar you know as far as like real world you know real world analogies yeah and um so anakin and ahsoka were sort of like inserted and i believe obi-wan was there for a little while and like i think the first episode sort of inserted to, to train the rebels on how to fight and to arm them and to like the tactics that work better against droids and things like that and saw guerrero was one of the leaders of this cell and there was a there was a love triangle going on between saw's sister and and this other freedom fighter in Ahsoka. And it was ended up being really, really interesting and good arc. But Saw was the the aggressive one of the group. He was the, you know, the sort of like the tactics, you know, did as long as the job got done, the tactics didn't matter. So I think if you're looking for that sort of character in Rogue One, that's just the best person they possibly could have, you know, included. And now one of the one of my favorite aspects of of Saw's inclusion was Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter saying the other day that Saw was originally George Lucas's creation. That he wanted him for the live action show, and since the live action show didn't happen, they had to include him into Clone Wars. Yeah, I think that's kind of a, a footnote of Star Wars history these days. Is before the Clone Wars animated series was a thing, Lucas was talking for ages about the Clone Wars being a live-action television show, and then it, that eventually turned into him developing several other concepts which have never been fully fleshed out publicly uh, to other live-action television shows. One about like one, one eventually turned into what was the basis for Star Wars 1313, the famously canceled Lucasfilm game. Lots and lots of different concepts were explored, and, and this, so this guy's character eventually found his way into the fifth season of of Clone Wars. But he goes way back. Like, Lucas was developing him for seemingly a very long time. It's nice to see George Lucas, the, the things that he concede, you know, he basically, that he still has an enduring legacy into future films. You know, sort of the, even if it wasn't Saw himself, ideas that he had are continuing to be developed in the Star Wars saga. I mean, there's there's a great line in that arc of Star Wars in which one of the the pro separatist generals basically tells him that you know he's a terrorist, Saw Gerrera, when he's imprisoned, and Saw responds with, "I'm not a terrorist. I'm a patriot, and resistance is not terrorism." And I mean, and this is a kids know, show, <laughs> yeah. And so you know, like, it's uh, it's very promising, I think, for Rogue One. Yeah, and like. We already we we take this character who already seems really dynamic when he's young, and then age him up and make cast him as Forrest Whitaker, and you've got a guy who's got so much baggage. So I can't wait to see how he plays out on screen. It's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is what's fascinating about this is you can really see the Lucasfilm story group at work here because they have been seeding mentions of Sagarera this whole time, and we didn't even pick up on it. Yeah, he was uh, in in Rebels. He was recently mentioned as the the leader of the resistance group that slaughtered K- Agent Callus's men, and Alassat was the mercenary specifically that that you know worked for Guerrera. So that that you know saw Guerrera in a way made Callus into the character that he is. Additionally, in in the Bloodline novel uh, that takes place six years before the Force Awakens. There's a character that criticizes old tactics of the Rebel Alliance, specifically Saw Gerrera's cell, as terrorists. So it's, you know, these things are being planted without really being something 
you know, that needs to have a lot of attention drawn to it, which makes me wonder how much more is going on that we haven't become aware of yet. Yeah, because the, the placement of those things, that happened a, a, a while ago. So we can only imagine what else is being placed right now based on what, you know, what they've been developing this whole time. Well, well I noticed they seem to happen around the same time. Like that episode was, was very close to when Bloodline you know, was sort of like ramping up. And I'm wondering, a couple months ago, we had the, uh, the double mention of the Empire committing genocide on the Geonosian race during the Death Star construction. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that somehow plays into Rogue One, being that it is so Death Star focused. Oh, it's going to get mentioned for sure. So that'll be interesting. And, and, and also, speaking of, of sureties, I do believe that Saw Gerrera is probably going to make an appearance on Rebels at some point. With the Clone Wars connections and the Rogue One writers being you know, consulted on, Like, I think we're, we're due for some Saw and Rebels. So that's exciting. Yeah, I there's no doubt in my mind. I think... We're gonna see some characters from uh from Rogue One appear in Rebels because it's it's so integral to to really the narrative that they're telling right now. For example, uh, Kiri Hart, Lucasfilm's head of story development, said this: "The Death Star is the event that sort of pulls everybody into a place of unity, and prior to that, the rebellion is a bit more divided." So, placing Guerrero in this movie based on some of the many character storylines that Lucas created in Clone Wars and all that, like and having then the Rebels um, from Rebels. They're kind of scattered right now. It stands to reason that as the storylines of Rebels progress, the greater toward the greater unification that's about to happen in this film, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see Guerrera and potentially others from the cast appear in the show. Um, yeah. By the way, as, as was pointed out online, Doug, this might blow your mind. The very tip of the center of the Rebel Alliance logo, like the sort of like where divides off into like three tiny mm-hmm. like sort of squared off segments yeah that's the Onderon logo during the clone wars oh interesting so they're they're piecing together like you know you have the phoenix squadron i from thought Rebels, it was their logo the star killer family crest that's <laughs> why so i actually uh, ranted about that uh, the other day to cap but <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know which explanation for the logo i like better i think i mean Family Crest is weak, but I think the story in Force Unleashed was interesting in that regard of the Emperor bringing his enemies together and accidentally creating something much more unified. But as far as what's going on right now from different sources of media, this is also very cool, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll, you see there's, what, three or four separate components of symbols that we've all seen used quite recently uh, in the Star Wars universe that, that co- co- coalesces into the emblem for the, the Rebel Forces, the Rebel Alliance. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, like undeniably that weird little three leaf kind of thing in the middle of that front spike of the symbol is totally on I, th- I thought it was supposed to be a bird, wasn't it? Sabine's art looks kind of phoenixy, um, but it's not all there yet. So this this kind of this brings it to what we recognize. Mm-hmm. Now, Rebels is coming to season two, coming to Blu-ray in August. So I just want to put that out there because if you buy it through our links, our Amazon links, uh, we get a cut of that. And if you uh, plan to get it, you totally should do it through our links at nerdyshow.com slash Amazon or on this episode's page. That's August 30th. It's coming out. It's got bonus features, including what sounds like a mini documentary with uh, Dave Filoni discussing the season finale. Um, But... uh, Here's what we know about season three that's not super duper spoiler. 
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Terrific. Uh, one, if you're going to Celebration, you lucky ducks get to see two episodes of it. Damn. Yeah. I mean, so did we when enjoy, we went. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy it because uh, seeing it with with an audience is really a treat. I have to say, like, I mean, we were absolutely in awe when we saw this thing. Yeah, like, it it was because it, it, none of us were prepared for the intensity yeah. that the season two um, debut brought. And there we were, unsuspecting thing. We're, oh yeah, we're gonna watch a fun show, sure, whatever. And we man. were we were watching Vader, James Earl Jones as Vader, whipping some ass with characters that we were already familiar with it, it just the the room was jam-packed with all these people and it was just it was a good experience i highly recommend it <laughs> yeah so if you're going to celebration do not under any circumstances miss that um but here's a little tidbit for season three that i am super duper excited about dave filoni teased on twitter that a star wars legends character as in the former expanded universe is coming to rebels in season three and there's been rumors for so long. And this is basically confirmation. And I think he's saying it because it's probably going to happen in these first two episodes. He said, I'm looking forward to seeing you at uh, Star Wars Celebration 2016. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends. And with this tweet was a photo of the spine of Heir to the Empire, the first Timothy Zahn novel, which is where Grand Admiral Thrawn debuted. So... um, He's he's uh people have been asking about Thrawn. You could say he's been a, it's been a Thrawn and Dave Filoni side for quite some time now. <laughs> <laughs> I make the bad jokes here, Cap. <laughs> I wrote this one down in advance. <laughs> That's the difference between all my previous bad jokes. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, Grand Admiral Thrawn or Mara Jade. Is heavily I guess, hinted, but, like yeah, it's got to be Thrawn. Yeah, they're uh, not going to do Mara Jade. Yeah, why would they do that? Unless like I predicted that it's Ray's mother. Mara Jade's Ray's mom. That was that was my uh, uh one of my many predictions. Hmm. See, if I make enough predictions, one of them is going to be true. True, yeah. Well, so. I mean that's this that's the name of the show. Yeah. Well, it's not literally the name of the show, but that's what we do here <laughs> on State of the Empire. Um so Matt, you mentioned Bloodlines. We can't mention the the no- Claudia Gray's novel Bloodlines enough. It is it, I'm pretty sure it's become the most important Star Wars novel of the new canon, right? Like, uh, it certainly seems that way. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it it took for a movie to re-release before they were convinced that they could make some like actual like galaxy-changing, you know, events go on. So, yeah, it's it's definitely the most important thus far. Well, here's here's a little tidbit that um, Aaron, one of the Nerdy Show hosts, shared with me. He was listening to it um, in. I guess in an audiobook form, and he picked up on something that I thought was pretty fascinating. Um, 
there's no it's seemingly there's no paper publications of any kind written publications of any kind in star wars you'll see storefronts will have arabesque on it things will things will be painted like in the very broadest terms with arabesque to, to designate labels of stuff but no one uses the written word it's all holovids and it's been long established in eu that that basically books aren't a thing in the star wars universe that's why the jedis have holocrons but it has not been confirmed, and it's still to this day debated as far as I know. However, very subtly, though I think in a really cool way, in Bloodlines, it straight up says that there's no written word in Star Wars because Leia is shocked when she sees that on a piece of paper someone has written the word run shortly before a bombing. Mm-hmm. And what? Well, her comments are more that it's really passe and ancient because they do eventually like they do some investigating in a library later in which the characters are groaning because people actually wrote in books and they have to go through books to find things Hmm. perhaps aaron hadn't finished (laughs) the book when he told me about this so maybe yeah because i I just got to that like that's joff c striker and he's very upset and he's like i can't believe they didn't just you know that this isn't stored somewhere or digitized. And they're like, nope, you got to do it the old-fashioned way. Yeah, well, when you buy, like, the Sith Code or the Jedi Code in uh, at Barnes & Noble, it's it's still a book. I know. Do you guys think the, journals of the Journal of the Wills is written down? No, nah, that shit farts right out of uh, our, no, our was, ports. I would say it was written on toilet paper. <laughs> 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 um, video game-wise... Let's see, there's a, there's the new expansion for Battlefront. That's uh, big and exciting and awesome because you get to play as Lando and the Cloud City maps look incredible. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we got something kind of bigger and crazier looming on the horizon. Lucasfilm's ILM X-Lab is teaming up with Magic Leap. Now, Magic Leap you may not have heard of. If you're following Nerdy Show, you, you might have. Here's the short rundown on them. They are a company that is leading the way in virtual and augmented and mixed reality. Whatever, they're, they're like shrouded in secrecy right now. They're based out of um, Dania, Florida, which I can attest to being w- one of the tiniest towns next to a ma- major metropolitan area you'll if ever encounter. there's a bright center to central Florida, it's the place that's farthest from. Well, it's in South Florida. So. Uh, well, then, then Florida in general, let's just say. It, Dania's a great town, but it's a funky, tiny town <laughs> where a billion-dollar company could hide discreetly. Um, And they are a billion-dollar company because a lot of money has been invested into them, and they have yet to have a product on the marketplace. But the people who've seen it, like Peter Jackson and other um, high-functioning, special-effect-savvy folks in the uh, the storytelling business... They're all wowed. Yeah, wowed to the tune of billions of dollars. So something about what they're doing there is creating experiences that are so undeniable that people are investing in them in a huge way. All the the sparse demos that we've seen online are um, basically to the tune of very, very realistic-looking creatures and objects moving through a space and having enough AI seemingly to navigate through it in a fully organic way. So it's not like a a shitty uh, augmented reality game on your phone where things are just flying through your walls. Yeah, well, like I've I've heard the example given like uh, 
you enter a room with a VR headset on. That's well, but it's augmented reality, so you you're seeing actual things in a given room. Like there'd be you know, table, chairs, you know, fruit in a bowl, you know, whatever. But the idea that you walk in that room and they say to you, one of these objects that you see in this room is augmented reality. The rest of it's real. Can you pick out which which thing it is? And unless you go to reach for it and your hand goes through it, you wouldn't know. And the idea that not only that, but you can leave the room, close the door, go back in, everything is exactly where it was. Like there's no lag, there's no jittery, there's no whatever. It's all responding the way the light is, where you stand. If you go under a table or above it, you can still, it, it would behave, behaves as if it's actually there. So it was announced that they're working together now, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. XLab was formed last year to create experiences for immersive platforms like virtual, augmented, and mixed reality. And they've shown a video online that is of 3PO and R2-D2 walking into a room, spitting narrative at the person who's watching it in there as though they're having an interaction. And then R2 goes to the nearest flat surface, in this case a table, and starts shooting holograms all over it. And you're seeing like a, a full-scale dogfight happening. Uh, they, uh, they're talking about uh, something about Han Solo's debt and Jabba trying to collect it and them being on the run. Um, and it's described as a little bit hollow chess, a little bit choose your own adventure, and completely unlike anything you've ever seen. Um, this is this is it, the fact that these these partners are working together is huge. And there was technology that ILM developed that we we've also mentioned previously on State of the Empire that was demoed originally as kind of a filming method for creating scenes in Star Wars thirteen thirteen, mm-hmm. kind of like what James Cameron did with Avatar. Yeah, he being kind able of pioneered to, that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah being able to to film. Uh, 3D environments in real time, uh, stuff like that. So ILM's already been working on something similar to this, and it looks like they're combining whatever they developed with Magic Leap, mm-hmm. which is just absolutely, it's going to be absolutely bonkers. And they're actually creating a second office, a, what they call a semi-secret joint lab based at ILM's headquarters in San Francisco that will house researchers and programmers from both companies and the story group. Oh, I need to get in there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And one can only imagine, once this technology shrinks enough, what's going to happen to Disney parks. Yeah. But in the meantime, we got to do things the old-fashioned way, but that's okay because the old-fashioned way is still pretty good. Recently, a droid called Jake was spotted being tested at the Star Wars launch bay at Disneyland. Uh, he's a, a, a hitherto unknown classification of droid, but the kind that rolls around sort of like R2, like not an astromech, but something like an astromech. Yeah. Like a server um, droid or something like that. It's you know. Yeah. And he can interact with exhibits at the launch bay. Contact with control panels on the exhibits triggers lights and other interactive elements. So I don't know if he's a staple now, but he has been tested in the wild. Yeah, it seems like they're uh, testing what's possible. Like, what can you put out in the park? And hopefully people don't try to kick him and knock it over. You know, that's the thing I worry about. I worry about just one jerk ruining it for everybody. Right. Um, like, my rule of thumb with a, with a theme park is get in there early before before like someone dies and the experience is, is toned down yeah, yeah it's toned yeah. down indefinitely um so yeah i i we'll see we'll see what happens because star wars land is going to be pretty different for them mm-hmm. pretty different and we really don't know what to expect yet now star wars celebration it's coming up we have the schedule of everything on the main stage but i did notice something very suspicious there's the main stage presentations are the ones where they th- they roll out their biggest names and so on, and also where the biggest film discussions happen. 
there's a, a Rogue One one that is not to be missed, and there's the Rebels one, which is also not to be missed. You, if you are there and you don't go to those things and wait in line for them, yeah, why did you go? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, um, there are other panels though, and they're probably going to be great. Mm-hmm. But there is a hole on Friday between the first presentation, an hour with Mark Hamill, which ends at twelve thirty, and Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which starts at oh, sixteen hundred hours. That's a three and a half hour gap where all other programming through the entire weekend has about an hour gap so there's definitely a mystery panel in there unless it's going to take them three and a half hours to set up for rogue one Hmm. i don't know what that is i don't know what that means place your bets could be episode eight but i don't know Mm -hmm. i assume they're in the middle of filming that right now could be a boba fert could be the Boba Fett announcement. That would mm-hmm. be huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let uh, the Boba Fett film has never been officially announced, but making Star Wars is so certain about it that their drop down tab doesn't say unannounced Star Wars story film. It just says Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So get ready for that. Make plans that after an hour with Mark Hamill, something mysterious is going to happen. Maybe it'll be announced. Maybe it'll be dropped the day of. I I don't know. Burberfurt. Hey guys, you ready for Willow Watch? Always ready for Willow Watch. Never unready. Willow. All right, so. Your uh, mother was unready. <laughs> um, Star Celebration. This is a perfect opportunity to seed the good news of Willow Watch. Mm. You should probably make a shirt that says hashtag Willow Watch on it or make a sign to hold up that says hashtag Willow Watch. That missing panel could be Willow for all we know. Oh, that would be incredible. That's the biggest bombshell of them all. <laughs> um, Warwick Davis is obviously going to be there. <laughs> Just feeding the fires which, here. <laughs> you got, which is why you got to hold up your Willow Watch signs. You got to make that presence known. You got to share Willow Watch with other Star Wars friends uh, or strangers, <laughs> for that matter, and spread the word of Willow Watch. Uh, Warwick Davis on the main stage is going to be hosting the Star Wars Celebration Europe Cosplay Championship. He's going to be moderating, well, or, or hosting or something, Anthony Daniels Without Protocol presentation, and also Ray Park Unleashed, and I, I really like the, the write-up for it. It says, always two there are. Park will share the stage with Celebration host and Sith Apprentice Warwick Davis. <laughs> <laughs> now, because this is an unusually short Willow Watch, I'm going to uh, read an excerpt from... The Willow Sourcebook, the much-coveted, long-out-of-print guide to the Willow universe written by Alan Varney, who we plan to have on the show for a new Willow Watch special sometime in the near future. This is an excerpt from the history of Finn Rizal. The Her entire entry is incredible. This is, of course, the, the elderly wizardess Finn Rizal. This is a, a portion called Love and Ruin. Rizal knew Prince Mikhail of Tirislin in childhood, but because he spent his youth traveling the kingdoms, they did not meet again for many years, until they were both nearly twenty. It was late spring, when the crocuses and asphodel bloomed around the castle. Rizel saw Mikhail astride a white stallion, his features handsome, his bearing regal, his brilliant red hair shining in the sun. None of her spells had achieved an effect one-tenth so wonderful. Were she less wise, she might have wished for a token that could work her magic upon him. She herself provided to be that talisman, for love enchanted both of them in the same spell. Within a season of their meeting, Prince Mikhail Thanalos, heir to the throne of Tirislin, 
a paragon of royal virtue, respected by the court and beloved by the populace, Astrazel, could I ever be worthy of you? From the time, from that time of radiant happiness, Rizel dates her decline in power. She left her books to gather dust in the castle library. Her charms of spider silk frayed and drifted off in the breeze. Amulets of oak and silver leaf and dragonfly wings withered for lack of sunlight or touch. As more people saw Rizel at festivals, at dinners, or riding with Mikhail across the meadows, Chalindria and her other instructors saw her less. Volsant, the court magician, warned her of the dangers of neglect. You waste away, he said sternly. You cannot summon wind enough to turn a leaf. You cannot create no more fire than a stove. Mighty Finn Rizel changes into a bird or a fish. In her fancy as any mortal can. My successor? Ha! Better I had followed my father and sold silk than watched the hope of my kingdom decline. Finn Rizel heard Volson's lecture many times. At first she ignored it, lost in rapture. Later she found Volsant tiresome and then irritating. At last she responded, Old man, you think I can match I can't match you on my feeblest day? Watch! With an incantation to call the lightning, she flung out her arm. At her fingertips a few sparks flared, then guttered. By her expression, one might have thought the lightning had come invisibly and stunned her. Roselle broke into tears. It's not fair, she said. I've been so happy. Are spells like sad thoughts that love drives them away? Spells are like stars that you must study to learn their patterns. But no more word games. Choose your path. If you turn from magic, I wish you happiness. But I must find another disciple. I cannot think who it be except... Vosant shuddered. Bavmorda. No! She has become powerful. You know what she's become, Rizel said scornfully. All magicians have sensed it. And yet who else? Vosant responded. To that, Rizel had no good answer. Who indeed? And I have to note, in real life... Thunders happened just as you spoke those lines. Like, like that's that's epic. And this this book is so good. <laughs> like, it's so it's so filled with the magic of Willow and gives you so much amazing lore and information on everything. It really beefs up the movie too when you watch it again. You're like, holy shit! Like the context of like just even like what what Finn Rizel has lost to Bavmorda was so much more than her humanity. Yeah. It's painful yeah. and amazing. Mm-hmm. And this book will set you back about $100. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, ever since we got that book, I've been saying I wanted to run like a Willow one-shot uh, campaign. And do you remember what I described to you of, of what of what I thought the Willow uh, one-shot should be if we were to ever play it? Yeah, I sure do. Uh, do you realize that what I was basically describing was uh, Rogue One, but in the Willow universe? <laughs> <laughs> You're right! <laughs> before Rogue One was explained of what it was, before we had a title, before whatever, we're, on, we, we're doing State of the Empire. I'm like, I want to do a Willow one-off that's like XYZ. And then it's, it, it's about like magician in, or, and warrior insurgents trying to yeah, get into d- that disgraced. Yeah, my, the, the pitch I had that I wanted to play uh, on, on, on the air was to get uh, the Knights of uh, uh, Galandorn and uh, uh, some of the people who may have escaped here as lean. There's one lowly wizard who is like, I want to get you guys together and we're going to assassinate Bathmorta and we're going to ride into Nakmar under cover of dark and we're going to try and stop her because they realize that he, although the, most of them may die, if they can get one shot. 
just one lucky shot, if they can clear a path for this one wizard to put all of his life force into one shot, they might be able to take her out. And that's Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, we should still do it, though. Yeah, that'd be fun. We'll have to see the parallels. Now we're going to have to pick people to, uh, to play. Who's, who's our Jin? Who's our Saul? You know, who's our all these people? <laughs> uh, what well. are you going to do when she catches you? <laughs> what? What you become? <laughs> uh, because Bad Mortar will literally turn you into something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she will literally turn you into something. <laughs> Pigs, worms, stone. Oh, God, oh, the worm story is so horrible. The worm one's awful. We'll have to say that for the next one. No, that we, one's we, great. we read that, actually. I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure. If we didn't read the worm story in an earlier episode of State of the Empire, tell us, and we'll read We'll read you the worm story, because holy <laughs> shit, it's a nightmare. Um, <laughs> anyway, thus ends Willow Watch. But thus begins Indie Inquiry. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Whip it real good. Do you guys hear that thunder? Man, yeah, I told you it was, was for real. That's epic. Yeah, Finn Rizel, uh, Bab Morda, they're, they're pissed off. They're fighting right now. Um, <laughs> or maybe someone opened the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What is it? Is it the final, the lighting the 13th candle to strike the, you know, do that whole ceremony or is this the it's Ark the of the ceremony yeah. of oblivion? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Indy 5 comes out July 19th, 2019. So weird still that we know that. Um, Spielberg's been out promoting the BFG, so naturally people are asking about Indy 5. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> and, and he says, the one thing I will tell you is I'm not killing off Harrison at the end of it. And that's, uh, that's great, sure, okay, I'm glad. Uh, but that's actually not the one thing he'll tell us because over several interviews he's told us many things mm-hmm. about the state of this film in pre-production. For example, at the American Film Tribute, Spielberg confirmed that John Williams is returning to the score. And as I've said countless times, the man is 84 years old. He better have an understudy. I'm certain he does. I wish I knew who it was. I, I, I love him. I don't want him to die. I don't wish him any harm. But holy shit, all these major films are riding on him and he is ancient. Yeah. He's like the fucking knight with the cup of of Christ. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is the cup just money? I guess in this case, is it all the money? He's like, pick pick one of these film scores, or no, p- pick one of these pieces of classical music that I haven't ripped off subtly for my own purposes. <laughs> You've chosen poorly. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the the sirens of Los Angeles, how how sweet they sing. <laughs> Children of the night. <laughs> now the other thing he said is george is going to be an executive producer with me george lucas i would never make an indiana jones film without george lucas that would be insane he said that for the last one too uh george will be inputted in it was his final thing so executive producer role um that inputted in it doesn't necessarily mean like writing co-author you know yeah so that's that's good because we saw how that went last time yeah um he also went on to say a, a really what I read is a really biting comment. George Lucas's fingerprints are on The Force Awakens because that movie is an homage to episodes four, five, and six. A complete homage. George Lucas is all over the Force Awa- the Force Awakens, lest we ever forget that. So um I think he's he's like, yo, stop trying to exercise the demon of my friend George Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for all the 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 crap people shovel at him. Dude made Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, he is—he is a genius, you know. So 
credit where credit is due. But he's an due. I- he's an idea guy. Yeah. And just like how Kingdom of the Crystal Skull could have been a great idea. Yeah. Man, the delivery. But look at the way, like we had Bob Dolman on the show, and look at the the way he like put Willow together. You know, yeah. like the way that just true real team player. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, there's. I mean, if you haven't ever listened to our our first Willow Watch special with the Willow screenwriter Bob Dolman, please do so and learn of the the levels of of George Lucas's genius that you would not have suspected and you couldn't have appreciated unless you were working with him on something. Yeah, it, it's actually really uncanny and I have plenty of bad things to say about him like as, you know, as a director and so on, but like but in other way in other aspects he is a true genius and very very clever. So, here's here's one final note on Indiana Jones from Bob Iger, which is yeah. one of the most insane nonsensical <laughs> I don't know what was he drinking like before. He might have. <laughs> he might have been. So Bob Iger, he, he was asked if Indiana Jones was going to be as indefinite a franchise as Star Wars, and this is what he said: "Not like Star Wars, no. But we hope. I don't know what he sounds like. But we hope. Right now, we're focused on a reboot or a continuum, <laughs> and then a reboot of some sort. Well, uh, we'll bring Harrison Ford back, and then we'll have to figure out what comes next. I mean, that's what I mean. It's not really a reboot. It's a boot." A reboot. I don't know. We got Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones in the film. <laughs> but then, what's the direction? I've had discussions about what the direction is, but I don't want to get into it. I don't think it reaches the scale of the universe of Star Wars, but I see making more. It won't just be a one-off. <laughs> what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> well, it's, it's, not, a it's, not a, it's not a reboot. It's a boot. A reboot. I, I don't know. know. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Please, please, okay. Please send me the source of that link. My goodness, that, that quote. <laughs> well, like I gotta parse that one down. <laughs> Should I read it slower? <laughs> Truer words have not been spoken. <laughs> yeah. So I do like that phrase, though. It's a boot. I love that. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? It's like it's like it's a, it's not a reboot. It's a boot. A reboot. I don't know. It's another movie. <laughs> just like, come on, like just why are you bugging this guy? <laughs> just like Yeah. I mean what he I think what he's trying to say is without he's trying to say without saying it, yes, goddammit, I intend to wring as much money out of Indiana Jones as I yeah, can. That's what it, obviously. Yeah. And yes, I'm gonna continue on without Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford when they give me the opportunity to do so. Yeah. Uh like that's that's what he's saying there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the most, <laughs> as long as it makes money, we'll make more of them. That's what it, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. So uh, that's that's the end of Indie Inquiry for the for the time being. Now we're gonna open the blast doors. It's gonna be very short, as I said earlier. But before we do that, we gotta give some shout outs to some awesome people. Nerdy Show, the entire network, and State of the Empire are listener supported, and that means. Uh, that we require your generous contributions in order to continue existing. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdy show. You can also give us one-time donations. And as I mentioned earlier, you can uh, buy stuff from Amazon via our links at nerdyshow.com slash Amazon, or you can get all the info on how to do all of these things at nerdyshow.com slash support. Now, uh, a helpful tip is if you want to just buy random stuff and support Nerdy Show all the time, aces great follow our amazon link copy that link make it your amazon link the only amazon link you use and then just buy the buy all the stuff that you get will feed nerdy show if you get something particularly cool let us know about it and we'll we'll i don't know give you give you props here on the air 
on or on this show or one of our many programs. If it's Star Wars, we'll probably talk about it here um, <laughs> on State of the Empire. But one thing you can do for us that doesn't involve any money is to give us a rating or potentially a review on iTunes. Currently, State of the Empire, we only have 19 reviews. That's enough to get us a public rating. Or 19, we have 19 ratings. Yeah. We have several reviews. So, but we actually, like, we need to we need to make it big, guys. Do you love State of the Empire? Then we need your votes. Just come on there, click, click a five-star rating. I know iTunes is a pain in the ass. Sign up. Go on there. Rate and review all the Nerdy Show programs. And then delete it forever, whatever you got to do. It is one review closer to us making Willow 2 happen. Yeah, because the, the more people find out about State of the Empire, the more people find, about, find out about the movement of Willow Watch and how important it is and how much Willow there is out in the world that needs to be injected into the culture sphere at large. This is, this is it's a process. You're in on the secret. They yeah. don't know what they're missing. Yeah. This isn't public knowledge. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that should be the review. It's very simple. These guys are making Willow 2 happen. Listen <laughs> I mean, it, if it was up to are. us... <laughs> uh, so we do have two State of the Empire reviews that we want to read. Uh, the first one is the only Star Wars podcast you'll ever need by Star Wars Geek. I've been listening to State of the Empire since it was just an occasional episode of Nerdy Show, and these guys got me through the chaotic beginnings of Disney's purchase of Lucasfilm. If you're looking for Star Wars news and theories, look no further. That was really nice. That was very high yeah, and, and I have a review here from... Uh... From Fenrir Gochad, a show for the fans. If you love Star Wars, even if you aren't obsessive, this show is for you. They have both a spoiler-free section and a section with potential spoilers for those who want to speculate in detail or just in general. I love listening to the episodes when, I, when they come out and hear the theories and developments in my favorite sci-fi series. Thanks, Fenrir. Wow. Get all the warm fuzzies. And Star Wars geek. So, uh, rumor, hop on iTunes, rate and review State of the Empire... That would mean the world to us. And if you want to contribute to us, we'll even, uh, as Patreon backers, you get a ton of State of the Empire outtakes, like tons of extended discussions. Uh, like maybe at this point, like hours of content. Yeah. So head over to patreon.com slash nerdy show or nerdyshow.com slash support to yeah. get all the details. If you, if you think all of our work combing through all the news is worth a dollar a month, then please. It would mean a lot to us. Uh, and for those of you who are leaving now, it's been real. Thanks so much for joining us. But for those of you who are stout of heart, it's time to open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. We mentioned a lot of stuff about Rogue One. But the one thing I didn't feel comfortable talking about, um, in, well, not within the confines of the blast doors, uh, are kyber crystals. Mm -hmm. We've been talking a lot about them and how they've been appearing repeatedly in many, many, many different uh pieces of star wars literature and uh matt what, what's the quick rundown where have we seen all the key mentions of kyber crystals in the past year and a half oh geez uh we have seen them uh scattered through clone wars including a heavy arc in the clone wars legacy the animatics that were never completed episodes but they're canon uh we've seen them mentioned in tarkin in rebel season one we see that the imperials have shipments of the kyber crystal um, I was it Shattered Alliance or something? Wasn't it? Um, Shattered Alliance. What am I thinking of? Shattered Empire. Mm, yeah. I man. Um, 
I can give you a list in just a second. <laughs> well, basically, Probably. a lot of places is what it boils down to. Well, in every medium, too. TV shows, comic books, books. Like, it's, e- you know. Every, actually, yeah. Every single place I could think that they could possibly contain a mention of it. Except and, the Lego game. <laughs> so, you know, I can't think of mentioning it in there. <laughs> but um, it looks like, potentially, the seeding of the lore of kyber crystals and everything has been, as we've suggested for a long time out, all leading to the the... Death Star being a great perversion of a lightsaber and it using a massive cache of kyber crystals to destroy Alderaan. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is being seen, potentially, according to making Star Wars, directly in Rogue One. We're actually seeing the mining of kyber crystals. Potentially hinting, in uh, in fact, as to why um, Ezra may not have gotten his kyber crystal in this the way one usually does i, I don't know that the the clone warsy explanation of where shit the those they where they come from but that resource might not actually be available to the young aspiring jedi mm. uh because there's a mountain that is being mined of kyber crystals and uh informants from the set have apparently seen crates that are being referred to as kyber crystal crates um, there's also something like a communications platform on the side of a mountain where Imperial scientists reside, as well as death troopers. That's that's all I know. But uh, it just hints that we're going to see that that aspect of the lore details on the kyber crystal are probably going to factor in in a surprisingly major way in Rogue One, not necessarily as a piece of background data but actually potentially a plot point well, the secret of the secret weapon really yeah that'd be interesting is uh in hindsight should the uh, death star super laser have been red <laughs> maybe uh i mean it really it should have been white right so what what did they ch- is it green it's green yeah did they, did they change it in special edition no at all? no it's always been green well I mean, just, yeah, just like the TIE fighter blasters. Now, Luke's, Luke's lightsaber bordered on white in A New Hope, but... You mean Anakin's saber? Yeah, yeah, Anakin's saber. Thank you. Luke's saber was green. <laughs> it was. Beautiful, too. Episode 8. You may have noticed we haven't mentioned Episode 8 at all, <laughs> really. Um, we've got one thing. This was dug up for, uh, by making Star Wars on the IMDb forums... But uh, here's why it's credible. There's a guy who goes by the, the handle Mr. Ghost Fast Lives. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> um, before The Force Awakens released, he shared some correct info about locations in the film and sets. So implying that he has some kind of insider knowledge. He says what we've heard about Leia getting attacked and taken out of play in the film early on is true. But the reason she survives is really cool. She uses the force to save herself. Mm. As a gut instinct, you know, not being a force wielder herself, right. she uses the force. Hmm. It's a neat detail. And he also says, Luke is for sure, not at all, Ray's father. Definitively. For sure. So he is for sure not, not the father. Yes. Okay. The you are, are not the father. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, and he said that that all all the reasons why are seated throughout Force Awakens, and it's it's. Don't tell me it's because she's his father. 
Uh, he did not say that. Okay, and I, and good. I and I hate that theory. <laughs> I I still go back to the Force Awakens novelization that I finally managed to power through. But even beforehand, knowing the things from you know knowing things had been revealed on the internet as the various weird dialogue is the line that Kylo uses when uh when Ray manages to pull the lightsaber to her is he yells, "It is you!" Like he like. It's suddenly like, holy crap, he it's suspects, you. And even, yeah. even Snoke has a line later saying, oh, Ren was right about her. So, like, I, there's something very strange. And the timeline's weird now, too, because, you know, people expected uh, that Luke's been, you know, gone for a long time. And Bloodline has established that he's been gone less than six years. Kylo was training with Luke six years before Force Awakens starts. Mm-hmm. So, Rey was abandoned long before that. That's an excellent point. So there's there's some very interesting things going on there. Um, a lot of people have conjectured it, it, maybe some of Ray's visions are actually future in nature. That like the the battle in the rain could be in Episode Eight with the Knights of Ren. Like I, there's all kinds of weird stuff that suddenly like all these things are coming together from different sources, indicating that like she's definitely not Luke's kid unless Luke was cool with leaving her. And just going about his life training Padawans, yeah. which I never was that big of a fan of, because no, yeah. it's too it's too convenient. Yeah. It's not. Well, it's out of character for Luke. Like, why? My dad did it to me. It's good enough for me. I blew up yeah. a Death Star. I'm gonna do it to her. Like, doesn't make any sense. Oh man, I uh, I wish there was some way she was Obi Wan's kid, but that doesn't that doesn't clock out. Nah, it don't make any sense. I wish it did. Uh, it would have to be a grandkid. Yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm still I, I'm still for. Uh, Han, somehow, Han and Leia somehow. I know it doesn't really make that much sense because if it was Leia's kid, like first of all, why would they leave her anywhere? I don't know. But the the thing, Han acted like he knew something was up. Yeah. Uh, the the novel seemed, it, it thought, Han's thought processes seemed a lot more. Um, he sees a lot of Luke in her when like, like her her sort of like wonderment of the world she never knew mm-hmm. because like you know she's always been stuck on this desert planet and of course coming from a desert planet and yeah it didn't seem the way he it, looks it, at her it was never like oh you're like a you're like a 16 year old boy i used to know it's, it looks no but, <laughs> it, but it's, it's more like like he, like he's like he already knows her or that he suspects that yeah, she's someone because, else because he's because he does know her he knows luke when he was 18 and she has the same look in her eye and she has the same she has the same desert fatigues on and and like you know still bigger than herself and still talented at flying and like there's just han has seen this before and when he saw it before he was like 30 years old and grumpy and hadn't been through what he's been through now and now as you know a father who is lost someone and lost Luke and lost his kid and, and everything else. Like, I think he now sees her in a sort of like fatherly light because of that, but not because he knows who she is. That's just my take on yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think he like, I know who you really are, but rather it's like, oh, you remind me of someone important. Not Luke, but like, like if it was a theoretical daughter like of, of his, it'd be like, oh, you're like the daughter I never had. Especially like my, my whole thing was like, oh, if Han and Leia had a daughter that was sensitive in the force. They go, she goes to train with uncle Luke shit. It's the fan. They Luke has to hide her in order to keep her alive. So even Leia and Han think she's dead. And then years later, Han picks up this strange girl who knows about the millennium Falcon. And he, he's probably thinking to himself, Oh, you know, if my girl were alive, 
I hope she'd be like you. You know, she'd be around the same age. Like that's the vibe I got. So I mean, I'm probably projecting a lot of what I would like to have happen in it, as opposed to like what's really there. But there's there's clearly a plan of some kind in place because of the way each person's acting around her. I mean, even at the end in the script of uh, Force Awakens, like what does it say? Uh, Luke looks at her like. He knows everything, but doesn't have to say a word. Something along those lines, like like he, his look just says it all. That he knows where who she is, where she's been. I, you know, what's funny is I I have a hard time like you know this is just J.J. Abrams where like I can easily see it. He's like, oh, they'll just figure it out. <laughs> like I'm out after this, basically. True, true. It. They can figure it out later. Like he's just planting more mystery boxes and and I don't know. It's just that's fair. Fair point. Yeah. So who knows. Uh, JJ knows. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't know shit. He knows yeah, if he Kath- made it up Kathleen or not. Knows. Yeah, Kathleen knows. She definitely knows. Curie Hart knows. Pablo Hidalgo knows. They know shit. I trust those people. I don't trust JJ. Well, apparently Mark Hamill knows now too because he was like sworn to secrecy and much like an empire, they're like, look, we only told you. So if it leaks, we know it's you. <laughs> I wonder who's left though. I just, uh, other than the big three, I mean, that like. <laughs> Good old Lando. I want that Lando. Where's Lando? I don't know. Padme had triplets. I don't. And that's, then that's the big part. I, I don't know. <laughs> I I want to see. I want to see the solo funeral, and I want to see Lando's speech. I think it's gonna. It's Damn. gonna. It's going to destroy me. It's yeah. going to tear me into the smallest emotional shreds I've ever been rendered to. Yeah. If the I'm only, all the, buddy. I I think I would hold it. I could hold it steady until he finishes the eulogy, sits down next to Lobot, and Lobot puts an arm around him. That would kill me. <laughs> I wouldn't make it. You have to wheel me out of the theater. <laughs> uh, uh, and I could, I could fucking imagine it, it opening with, with that, just to be like, there's been a passage of time, yeah, a short passage of time, but a passage of time nonetheless. Except that we know the chances that it might actually open the same shot that the last one ended on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but I think it could happen. I think that 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 uh, a funeral scene could happen, and if a funeral scene does happen. It would stand to reason that would be where we got our Billy D. Williams, who, as far as I know, has net has not been confirmed, but not been denied yeah. that he's been anywhere near a Star Wars set. Mm-hmm. That's the show, guys. That's all we got. Um, though I, I've been told there are some Star Wars jokes, uh, so stay tuned for those after the uh, after the break. But first, we're going to take you out with a song. It's a brand new track, a single from Hot Dad. You may know him from uh, <laughs> as that guy who wrote about a hundred television themes that weren't television themes at all, or that guy who sung the entirety of All-Star backwards. Um, Well, he's done it again for a track called The Star Wars I'm In Love With. And uh, hopefully you'll love it too. (laughs) So uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with another State of the Empire episode, probably just following all the crazy announcements coming from Celebration in just a few weeks. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Doug. Bye, I'm Matt. Here's Hot Dad. When I wake up, I do things related to the Star Wars. Turn on the TV, I'm gonna watch a bunch of the Star Wars. Do you remember when that crazy thing happened in the Star Wars? Yeah.
listening to State of the Empire. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audioboom, or subscribe and stream on Google Play. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows in the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and State of the Empire on all of your favorite social networks, including Facebook, at both State of the Empire, Lucasfilm News, and our special group, Star Wars Spoilers, where we post all the good stuff. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. How do you get down from a bantha? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> How do you get down from a bantha? You don't. You get down from a goose. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. How many Jedi does it take to screw in a light bulb? I, I don't know, Doug. How many? All of them. They hate the dark side. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can feel your anger. <laughs> I am going to strike you down. 